Hey, this is Todd and Julie Mullen, senior pastors here at Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy week to join for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Church family, how are we feeling? Everybody good today? I know Pastors Todd and Julie celebrated a little bit, but I wanna tell you just a couple of things about camp from this summer. Uh, we had over 1,800 kids that were a part of one of our camps, just middle school, or sorry, elementary, preschool. Here's the number I'm excited about. 396 of them gave their lives to Christ and started a relationship with Jesus for the very first time. We had 196 middle school and high school students who got saved, gave their lives to Christ and uh, movement camp and others. And here's another number I'm excited about. 89 middle school and high school students uh, expressed a full-time call to vocational ministry. Missionaries, pastors, nonprofits, 89 kids just this summer. So we have so much to celebrate. Uh, I've told you before, the tide is rising. I I think you can feel it. We've been leveling up, you know, even Pastor Tracy talking about uh, Kids University kicking off this week. We're just so excited. Here you have a special privilege. You can get Tuesday or Wednesday. Like you got two chances to get your kids in. No excuses, right? There's just so many cool things happening in the life of our church. I believe that, that we're leveling up. And that's what we're celebrating this weekend. It's called Level Up Weekend. All of our kids, we're celebrating them going to new grades, some of them to new environments, all of that. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I hear the phrase level up, uh, my mind immediately goes to, I can't help this, like Super Mario Brothers. This is the phrase, the, the thing that immediately comes to my mind. And I'm not talking about like, you know, the new movie, Peaches, 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 all that. I mean, I'm talking about like the 1985 Mario Kart doesn't even exist yet, you know? Super Mario Brothers, the original, right? Raise your hand if you ever played this game, you like lived off this game, okay? All right, you're probably in like the 35 to 45 range like me, right? Uh, Anybody still wish they had this console so you could sell it on eBay, right? Like make some money. I mean, like if you don't remember Duck Hunt being on the same cartridge, you don't know Super Mario, you know? That's what I'm saying. But that's what I think of when I hear the phrase level up. But as I've been preparing this last couple of weeks, here's the phrase that's just been coming to my heart and mind. Uh, There's always another level. There's always another level, right? Uh, and, And here's what I mean. Let me give you a couple of examples. It's not just true in video games. It's true in life, right? So imagine... Uh, you know, you're feeling pretty good about your physical fitness plan, you know? Like you're in a bit of a groove, you're in a routine, and then you meet somebody who's doing like 75 hard, and you feel like you, you not, are not doing anything, right? Like maybe, maybe you got up early this morning and you went for a run and you got a couple miles in, but you got that one friend who's like a triathlete, you know, they're training for a marathon, they ran 20 miles before you even had your cereal, and you know, all of a sudden you recognize like, there's another level. And uh, I love that we live in South Florida. We love to spend time outside. So let's just imagine maybe here in South Florida, you join the boat club, okay? Maybe just that's, that's your life. That's what you're gonna do. And, and you're cruising down the intercoastal. You're feeling pretty good about yourself in the boat club. And then you go past $250 million super yachts. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, there's another level. <laughs> there's, there's another level to this thing. Uh, but it's not just true in areas like that. It's actually true in a lot of different areas of life. Uh, Cause I don't know about you, but man, sometimes I, I look around and I'm like, oh, the way that those people love God 
That's on another level. Man, man, the way, the way that she hungers for the word of God, that's on another level. I, I look at people who go through some of the most difficult and heartbreaking circumstances you could ever possibly imagine, but they do it with such hope and grace and peace. I go, that's on another level. And what I've come to believe is true is that spiritually, there's always another level. There's an opportunity for you and I to level up in our faith. And, and there's an opportunity for you and I to experience more of the Lord. And, and here's what I believe with all of my heart. I, I believe that God is a lot less concerned about your six pack and your savings account, but he is concerned about your soul. And the truth is that when it comes to our life and our faith, there's another level. And here's what I believe. I believe Jesus wants to take you to another level. I believe that Jesus wants to take each and every single one of us to a whole nother level. I believe that in every area of our lives, Jesus wants to bring growth and maturity. Jesus wants to bring freedom. He wants to take us to another level. And I actually believe that when it comes to our faith, we don't have to just move through the motions and check off the boxes and barely get by, but actually Jesus wants to speak into our lives this morning and help take our faith to another level. What's interesting is that if you and I were able to have a face-to-face, in-person conversation with Jesus, and you go, hey Jesus, how do I get to the next level in my faith? I'm not sure that we would get a straight answer. Like, have you read your Bible? Jesus doesn't really do the straight answer thing. It's kind of annoying. Like, it's frustrating sometimes, you know? Because like, people ask him questions and more often than not, he answers with what? A question. I'm, I'm like a just give it to me straight Jesus kind of guy, you know? Like, I don't want the question, I, I want the answers. Which, which is interesting because what we know to be true is that sometimes questions are better than answers. And, and Jesus seemed to believe that. He, he asks well over 130 questions in the New Testament and those are the ones that are just exclusive to him. That doesn't even count the questions that he repeated from the Old Testament. Jesus asked a lot of questions because sometimes questions are better than answers. Uh, a friend of mine says it this way, I think it's phenomenal. He says, Jesus is the answer, but Jesus has some incredible questions. And so what I wanna do for the next couple of minutes today is just look at five questions that Jesus asks in the New Testament. And I believe that these five questions will help take our faith to another level. Here's the first one. Question number one. This is for us today. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Jesus knows how to ask some questions. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Now you might remember that this is from a section of scripture called uh, the Sermon on the Mount, right? It's Matthew chapter five, chapter six, chapter seven. It's the best sermon that's ever been preached, okay? So if you're watching this right now and you've not read it, just turn this off, go listen to the best sermon ever, Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. And it, what I love about the Sermon on the Mount is it's right at the beginning of Jesus's like earthly public ministry, right? So it's almost as if these things that have been brewing under the surface for the last 30 years, now Jesus is able to unleash them on the world. And he covers all kinds of subjects within the Sermon on the Mount. But in this section, 
where we find this question. He's talking to the followers of Jesus and, and, and he's telling them, don't worry about your life. In fact, what he tells them is that, hey, God, God feeds the birds and God clothes the flowers, so he'll take care of you, right? Like you got nothing to worry about. And, and, and what he begins to tell them is that the Lord is trustworthy and you don't have to worry about your life because God will take care of you. And it's in this context that he asks this question, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? It's a rhetorical question, by the way. Jesus is not looking for an answer here. <laughs> the answer should be pretty obvious, right? Like who of you can add a single to your hour to your life by worrying? Well, no one, Jesus. Like we, we can't do that. But I need you to look closer this morning at what Jesus is saying about worry. If you can't add to your life with worry, what are you doing? You're subtracting from your life. If worry will not add to your life, what will it in fact do? It will subtract from your life. Worry is a thief. Worry is a waste. Worry will steal from you. It will steal your joy. It will steal your time. It, it, worry will steal contentment. It'll steal trust. It'll steal faith. Worry will rob from you all of the good things that God wants to put into your life. Worry is stealing from so many of us. Why? Because it only subtracts from our lives. And, and we know this to be true even from experience, right? So some of you had kids at home, we've got two little ones and, and, and I'll never forget like when they were little, you know, maybe you put them on the monkey bars for the first time or they climb up on top of the refrigerator. You're like, how'd you even do that? You know, like, but, but you're like, I'm walking around most of my life going like, oh, don't do that. Oh, be careful. Oh no, you know, like, and I'll never forget one time my wife was like, like, should we just wrap them in bubble wrap or like, what, what are we gonna do? chill out, you know? And, and what she reminded me of is like, if I'm constantly walking around worried about what's gonna happen to them, what it did was it robbed me of all those moments I could have been enjoying with my kids. And I, I just think there's a lot of different areas of our lives where we're constantly worried about what could or might possibly happen and, and it begins to steal from us. Think about what worry has stolen from you. Think, think about the endless hours where you feel restless because you are worried. Think, think about the sleepless nights over your business, over your finances, over your kids. What does it do? Did it add to your life? No, it, it subtracts from your life. Think about what fear has stolen from you. Think about what anxiety has stolen from you. Just, just consider this morning what worry has actually taken away from you. Because I gotta believe that for most of us, worry has stolen quite a bit. What's, what's interesting is that if you have something in your life that adds absolutely nothing, what do you do with it? You get rid of it, you purge it, you kick it out. Worry adds absolutely nothing to your life. So what should we do? Get rid of it. 
And I believe with all of my heart that one of the things the Lord would wanna speak to us today is that if you are constantly worried, man, that's a lid on your life. It's a lid and it will prevent you from going to the next level in your life. And God's going, I actually don't want you to live that way. I want you to live confident. I want you to live free. I want, I want you to be sure. God, God doesn't want you constantly worried about all of the things that could happen. But Jesus says, if you wanna level up your life, one of the things you need to get rid of is you need to get rid of worry. Here's another question that Jesus asked. He said, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or, or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? I, lo I love this question. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet he forfeits his soul? Now this question comes right after Jesus says, uh, anyone who wants to follow me must die to themselves or deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow me, right? It's happening in a section of scripture where Jesus is saying, if you wanna save your life, you'll actually lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. And what's interesting is that if you read the words of Jesus, and part of what he's pointing to here is that the kingdom of God, it actually works in opposition to the ways of this world. It's backwards, it's upside down. So the things in this life that we think will take us to another level, actually Jesus says, no, 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 I need to flip the script on you. So Jesus will say things like, love your enemies. What? Pray for those who persecute you. You wanna find your life, you gotta lose it. Oh, by the way, you wanna be first, you gotta go last. Jesus is constantly flipping the script because the ways of God are in opposition to the ways of this world. And part of what Jesus is pointing us to here is that you can ultimately be so successful in the wrong things that it will cost you your soul. Another way to understand that is actually perhaps one of the lids on us going to the next level in our lives is our own success. Specifically, success in the ways of the world. Because what's interesting is that most of us spend our days searching for satisfaction and significance and success in things that were never meant to give us those results. Most of us spend our days trying to gain the world. And when we try to gain the world, what the Bible tells us is we will lose our soul. So, so what I need us to understand is that you can gain the whole world, everything that the world tells you you ought to have and come up empty. In fact, person after person, biography after biography would tell us that the more you accumulate, the more you pile up, the more you succeed in the ways of this world, the less you actually have. Because all of those things turn up empty. So what's the truth? The truth is that money, power, fame, and fortune will never address the void that only Jesus can fill. Now, now here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you cannot be successful in this world. In fact, 
The church of Jesus Christ would not be the church of Jesus Christ if there were not successful, God-honoring people who think kingdom first and invest in the things of God. God does want us to experience success in life. Here's the problem. Most of us sacrifice our souls on the altar of success. You, you wanna take your business to the next level? Stop sacrificing your soul. You, you, you wanna grow, you wanna go to the next level in your life, you've gotta be focused on the right things because if we're not careful, the success of this world will become a lid to us going to the next level in our life and in our faith. Success can actually be a challenge. But if we understand that money and power and fame and fortune will never address the void that only Jesus can fill, man, things actually begin to change. And part of what Jesus is addressing here is that we spend a lot of our time and energy chasing all the wrong things. I heard somebody say it this way. If you have everything of this world, but you don't have Jesus, you actually have nothing. If you have nothing, but you have Jesus, you got everything. And what God would want us to understand this morning is that there is another level that is possible, but what good would it be for us to gain the world and forfeit our soul? Here's another question that Jesus asked. This one's from Matthew chapter seven. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I think I'll just leave that one right there. <laughs> it's, I mean, I can't add to the words of Jesus. We can add to our understanding of the words of Jesus, but, but this is a pretty plain and simple question. Why are you worried about your brother or your sister and the things that are in their life when you seem to be looking past the stuff that's in your own? Jesus uses this imagery to help us understand that our tendency is to look past our own sin, look past our own mistakes, look past our own shortcomings and judge other people by standards that we do not place on ourselves. Now, I wanna be clear, some of us have the opposite problem. Super critical of myself and not of any, at all of anybody else, right? Like some of us fall into that boat where we are our own toughest critic. But at the same time, our tendency naturally is to look past our own junk and be worried about other people's. Uh, I, I've experienced this in, in my parenting, right? Uh, because my, I'll, I'll tell my kids like, oh, well, you, you have to do this or you shouldn't do that. And they'll go like, dad, you don't do it. Why should I do it? I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. You know, like you all had that, that moment. If you have kids where there's like this double standard moment, you know, and they're, you're, they're like, why? And you're like, because I said so. If you got a default to because I said so, it's probably like this verse in action. You know, like you're looking past your own stuff and you're looking only at their stuff. And, and part of what Jesus is saying here is that judgment, judgment of others will become a lid that will prevent you from going to the next level in your life and in your faith. Now this is, this is important for the world in which we live in right now because everyone is constantly judging everyone <laughs> all the time. It feels like that's the only thing that's even happening. The problem with that is judgment actually leads to a whole bunch of other stuff. It leads to unforgiveness, it leads to bitterness, it leads to resentment, it leads to misunderstanding, it leads to all kinds of things. And, and so what Jesus says, part of the solution is, is that we would look first at our own lives 
before we become consumed with the things that are in other people's lives. Now, now let me be clear. God's standards are always God's standards. That's not gonna change. So I'm not saying we shouldn't hold people to God's standards. But Jesus says, no, you need to flip the script. You need to be more concerned about your own sin than about your brothers. You, you need to be more concerned about the, the plank in your own eye than the sawdust in there. So let me give you an example. So, so what if in our relationships, we started to deal with our own stuff before we worried about other people? How, how about specifically, what if in your marriage, you decided that instead of being more concerned with your spouse and their shortcomings and their mess ups and their sin, that instead you were gonna focus first on yourself, that you would start with the problems that are here instead of always bringing that into the relationship and being judgmental and critical. You know what happens when two people decide I'm gonna work on myself first? The relationship immediately levels up. It immediately improves, it immediately gets better. Why? Because you're not focused on others first, you're focused on yourselves. And Jesus in part is saying that if we don't learn to do that, if we don't learn to look first at ourselves, then it will become a lid. Why? Because we often judge others by different standards than we judge ourselves. So what if, we decided to extend the same grace to others that we often give to ourselves? What if we actually entered into every relationship, not being critical or judgmental, but actually looking first at ourselves so that God could use that to lift the lid on our relationships? Don't look first at the plank in your own eye, or I'm sorry, please look first at the plank in your own eye before you worry about the dust in somebody else's. Question number four. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? <laughs> Ouch, <laughs> that, that one hurts a little bit. And, and, and it's, it, this one's for me. Like I love that this question cuts to the heart. And I would actually argue, right, this question, why do you call me Lord and yet you don't do what I say? This might be the most important question for anyone who identifies as a follower of Jesus to consider. Why is it that you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you do not do what I say? And the reason this is so convicting for me is that I can think about areas in my life where I know what God says, and yet I choose to be disobedient. And I would imagine that most of us in this room, if we're honest, you can think about a situation, you can think about a relationship, you can think about a sin where you know what God, God's word says about it, and yet we don't do what he says. And, and what Jesus addresses here is so, so profound, right? Why is it that you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? So, so let's put it in another context. Why is it that you go to church, but you don't do what I say? Why is it that you raise your hands in worship, but you don't do what I say? Why is it that you serve, but you don't do what I say? Why is it that you go through all of the motions and you make this claim that I'm Lord of your life, but you don't actually do what I say? And, and I can think about a thousand instances in my own life. I, I can think about times where God has spoken so clearly to me and said like, oh, I need you to say this thing to this person right now, and I ignore it, disobedience. 
I, I can think about specific times in my life where the Lord has spoken to me and, and said, you need to forgive that person. And I, I thought like, well, I'm not ready for that, Jesus. Disobedience. I thought when I've had relationships in my life, especially when I was younger, that were contrary to God's word. And I knew it, but I didn't care. Disobedience. And what I need us to understand this morning is that disobedience will absolutely always be a lid that prevents you from getting to the next level in your life. 100% of the time, if we have disobedience in our lives, it is a lid on what God can and will do in our lives. Constantly throughout scripture, we see where there is obedience, there is blessing. So the more I am submitted to the ways of God, the more I obey what God's word has to say, the more I experience his blessings in my life. That's actually how it works. And disobedience will always be a lid on the life that God has for you. Now, I've heard Pastor Todd say, most of us don't need more knowledge of God's word. Most of us need more obedience to God's word. In fact, oftentimes our level of knowledge far exceeds our level of obedience. We don't need more knowledge, we need more obedience. In fact, I would say it might be better to know less of God's word and be obedient to it than to know all of it and not. What we need to do is we need to raise our level of obedience. We need to raise our level of submission because if we don't, it will always be a lid. And, and I don't know about you, but I dread hearing these words from Jesus. I, I don't wanna have to look Jesus in the eye and hear him say, why did you call me Lord, but you didn't listen to me? Now, I, I wanna hear Jesus say things like, well done, good and faithful servant, you know? I, I wanna hear though, I don't want to be faced with this question. And so better for you to hear it now. Why did you call me Lord, but not do what I said? If we can raise our level of obedience, you will immediately raise the level of your life. Amen. Question number five, last one. There's only there's like over 130 in the Bible. I just chose five. Here's the fifth one. Question number five, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Matthew chapter nine, verse 28. Now Jesus asks a version of this question several different times. But in this instance, in Matthew chapter nine, there are two blind men, who, blind men who see Jesus from a distance and they shout out, they cry out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And he comes and he has a face-to-face -face conversation with them in which he asks them, do you believe that I can do this? And when they have faith for it, guess what happens? He heals them. I wonder if Jesus has the same question for us this morning. Do you believe I'm able to do this? Do you believe that God wants to take you to another level? Do you believe that God wants to bring you freedom? Do you believe that God wants to bring you hope and peace and joy? Do you believe that God wants to take you to another level? Because, because maybe, maybe our experience is directly dependent on our level of faith. And here's what I mean. I'm not saying that the only reason that he healed them was because they believed. God can do whatever he wants. 
But there is a lot of indication in the New Testament that God responds to faith. And there's a, lot of quest, there's a lot of answers to questions I don't have. Like, like why when we had faith to believe and to pray that this person would be healed or that, that this child would come home or why when we had faith to believe and pray that this would change, I don't know. I don't know why God sometimes chooses not to. But what I do know is that there seems to be a clear indication in scripture that God responds to faith. And so the question is, what if? I'm not saying you don't have enough faith if these things don't happen. I'm just saying that God seems to respond to faith. And so what if we had more of it? What, what if we actually believed that things could be different? What, what, what if we actually believed that God could do something significant? Because I, I do believe that sometimes unbelief is a lid that will keep us from going to the next level in our faith. Sometimes you experience what you expect. Sometimes God moves in response to our faith. And so whatever it is that you're working through, whatever it is that you're believing for today, I just wonder if the question is the same, like, do you believe that I can do this? And I believe that God would want the tide of our faith to rise today, because if we can choose trust, if we can choose faith, if we can choose belief, then, then things might begin to change. Like, I wanna walk into this school year believing for parents and teachers and educators that God's gonna exceed all expectations, that revival is gonna break out. I wanna believe that what God started at camp is gonna be finished on school campuses. I wanna believe that families are gonna change. I want to believe that this is gonna be a new season in which we experience God's goodness and faithfulness. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Because sometimes what we experience is related to our expectation. And so here's what we want to do as we wrap up service today. I want to pray two prayers. First is I want to take some time specifically across all of our locations to pray for kids who are going back to school, educators who are going back to school, parents who are sending their kids back to school. I wanna pray God's blessing over our families as we all level up together. So I'm gonna invite you to stand in just a moment. But then I wanna think through these lids and I wanna pray and I want you to ask yourself this question, which lid is keeping you from leveling up in your life? Which of these lids is keeping you from leveling up in your life? So here's what I wanna do across all of our campuses. If you are a student headed back to school, if you are a parent sending your kids back to school, if you're a teacher, an educator, a homeschool mom, anything like that, would you stand up? Homeschool dads too, there's plenty of those. Stand up across all of our locations today. Come on, can we just celebrate and recognize because we're gonna pray blessing over these people. Come on, praise God, praise God. I wanna pray specifically, you stay standing for just a moment, stay standing for just a moment. I wanna pray specifically. In fact, if you see somebody standing around you, would you just extend a hand towards them as we pray blessing over them, that we would have faith to believe that this year is gonna be different for families and for kids and for schools. Lord Jesus, this is a sacred moment. We, we pray today, Lord, a prayer of commissioning that these people would head into this school year with faith to believe that you're gonna do something new and something significant. God, would you send them as ambassadors of 
of your grace, as carriers of your Holy Spirit. And God, we do pray that revival would break out in our homes and across school campuses. We pray that there would be people who are coming to Christ in classrooms. God, we pray that your anointing fall and rest upon this year and that we would walk in such an incredible season that we would see you around every corner. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Can we just celebrate all of these people? We're praying for you, praying for you. You may be seated, you may be seated. Hey, just one more prayer, one more prayer. Which of these lids is keeping you from leveling up in your life? Which of these lids? I, I wanna pray. If you would say, hey, today across all of our campuses, I wanna go to the next level in my faith. You would say today, I wanna go to the next level. I wanna invite you to put a hand up as we pray together today. I wanna go to the next level in my life and in my faith. Lord Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are lifting their hands towards heaven right now. God, if it's the lid of worry, I pray that you would remove it in Jesus' name. I pray that worry would no longer steal from us, God. It would not be a thief in our lives, but we would trust you, God. I, I pray, God, if it's the lid of success, of chasing the wrong things, the empty things of this world, God, that we would find you and we would chase you and that in doing so, seek ye first the kingdom of God and then all these things will be added unto you. And so God, help us to remove that lid and chase the right things in Jesus' name. God, if it's the lid of judgment, God, we're constantly worried about what other people are doing, God, in our lives, in our relationships, in our marriages with our kids, help us to look first at ourselves, Lord Jesus. God, if it's disobedience, if, if we know that you've spoken clearly about something and we've just not yet submitted to you, God, help us, help us to level up and submit to you and be obedient. And God, I pray that you would continue Continue to raise the level of faith in our church and belief in our church. God, that you are on the move and that you are doing something significant. God, we choose today to believe you for it, regardless of the consequences, regardless of the circumstances. God, we put our trust and our faith in you today. Help us to go to the next level. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, can we thank God for his word today? Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to those of you who generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's because of you that everything that we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.